Open your Bible with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We're in River Church this morning, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we're so glad you're tuned in with us. We are ministering a message, a series called The Uncommon Man and the Exceptional Woman. The Uncommon Man and the Exceptional Woman. We're talking about Christians that have put on excellence, put on a, a discipling that sticks out, that stands out. In Hebrews chapter 10, hallelujah. Now we did say last week that the, the common man, the common man and the conventional or the regular or what would we call typical woman have changed enough. And that's what makes them typical, conventional and common is because they've reached a place in their life where they say enough is enough. I'm through changing. Now, they'll probably never enunciate it that way. That'd be dumb to actually say that. But by all their life that's exemplified, they, they have finished. They're done. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so they just think, good enough. I'm guaranteed to go to heaven, and that's, that's good enough to me. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 23... The word tells us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. So it must be that you could waver. For he is faithful that promised, and here's my verse right here. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let's read that together. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now that's what we're doing. We're endeavoring. We're not endeavoring just to sit in church and and check it off and say, I was there Sunday, Lord. I want you to pay attention. I was there. Didn't sleep very long, and, uh, and it, it, I was there. I can even tell you what he preached on. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love. So that's what we're doing when we leave this place. I'm endeavoring to provoke you, provoke us to love and good works. So the messages have to be a little salty. They can't be hey diddle diddle or Mary had a little lamb. They've got to be salty to provoke because this world is so hyper that we, it's hard to get people provoked. We're already provoked about all the evil and, the, and the, the heathenism and all that stuff that's out there. And so then he says, not forsaking the assembly of yourself as that manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So when you leave this place, we're to exhort one another. We're not just to be good. I said just being good is not the goal. Well, I'm, I've been pretty good, Lord. And I've done, most, I've done as good as I could. I've done the best I can. That is the doctrine. That is the message in most churches. But that's not the message of the Word of God. We're to provoke one another. Well, that means you may get somebody's feathers a little ruffled. Because you're going to stand your ground, not because you're provoked, but because it's the truth, and the truth provokes. The truth provokes. And here at River Church, we've been willing to preach the word that provokes the truth pretty much without any hesitation or anything like that. So if a common man and a, and a routine or conventional woman is the woman and the man that's, that has done changing, then we would have to say the uncommon man 
and the exceptional woman were people that were always changing, looking for change. They're always wanting to, what Romans says, renew their mind. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are looking to upgrade every single day. It's better than it's ever been, and that's why some people quit. But we're looking like, oh, God, there's not enough. Until I have uh, became poor in order that I might be rich, until that's working, I'm not done. By his stripes I was healed, until that's working, I'm not done. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, until that's working, we're not done. But the common man and the conventional woman are done. They're going to heaven. I got mine. I got mine. It's, I'm going, so what do I care about anybody else? That's not what the Word says, and that's why we're not here. This is our fourth time together on this. And number one, we talked about the uncommon man. The exceptional moment is fixed on the promises. Can you say it with me? Fixed on the promises. Not just aware that there are some, but they're fixed on the promises. We're fixed. We're not just like, well, how much do I have to do to be saved or go to heaven? We are fixed on the promises. Number two we looked at about the uncommon man is thinking big in small places. Everybody can go to a motivational meeting and start thinking big, but what about when everybody around you is crying and griping and carrying on and, uh, and saying the world's going to end and, and America's going down the tubes and Jobs are this, and kids are that. Ah, we pay no attention to that. We think big when we're surrounded by small thinking, small places. That's the uncommon man. That's the exceptional woman. And last week we looked at the uncommon man and the exceptional woman were people of honor. That's what one thing, one of our attributes is, is we live in the honor of the Creator. We fix our lives to be honoring. So this week I want to talk about, I want to minister to you on a powerful subject called living humbly with your creator. Living humbly. That's with an H. <laughs> humbly if you want to hear it that way. Uh, uh, living humbly. And you go, well, I, I live pretty humbly. I'm not boasting and carrying on. That's not living humbly. Not being one thing does not make you the other. Not being fearful does not mean you're in faith. It just means you've, you, you've fixed your mind. So look in Luke chapter 14, if you would, please, with me. Luke chapter 14. And let's, let's look at humility as a way of being exceptional and uncommon. Luke chapter 14. I can tell you I, I missed being here last Sunday. Uh... It was marvelous for y'all, but I, I tell you, I like to be in church. I'm churchy. I like to be in church. I believe, now this is just me, but I believe there'll be a time when we will all want to be in church every day. Not like, oh, no, I'm church every day. Well, that may be how it sounds now, but there's people that look at you and say, church every Sunday? What is that? Wednesday? No way. But see, we've been transformed by the renewing of our mind. Luke chapter 14, verse 11 says, The Lord Jesus said, Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, 
and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So Zig Ziglar used to say the way up is down. Who shall ever be great in the kingdom shall be the servant of all. Uh, whosoever exalteth himself, exalteth himself. So that would mean that I have a say in this. I, it's not God just has done something on the cross or done something uh, in the kingdom. This is me. This is you. Whosoever exalteth himself, there's a consequence. There's for every action, there's a reaction. Uh, the BBE, and I've already forgot what that stands for, but it's uh, basic Bible English. That's what it is. For every man who gives himself a high place will be put down. But he who takes a low place will be lifted up. We know that. The Passion Version says everyone with a lofty opinion of who he is and seeks to raise himself up shall be humbled before all. And everyone with a modest opinion of who he is and chooses to humble himself will be raised up before all. Amen. The Amplified says that he will be humbled, and here's the definition, ranked below others who are honored or rewarded. Now we're going to have to look at that. That, that, that's got a, that's straining a little bit. The TEV, the something, the what? Today's English version. For everyone who makes, <coughs> excuse me, for everyone who makes himself great will be humbled. And the new century says, if you put yourself above, above others, you will be put down. Well, that's just folks. We don't like boasty folks. We don't like people that think more highly of themselves and, uh, than they are. But the uncommon man and the exceptional woman are uncommon and exceptional, but they're humble in it. Now, that's, it's real powerful that we don't say the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, they're just, they're dirt, they're worms, they're doormats. No, they know they're exceptional. Can you say this morning, I know I'm uncommon? Ah, let's do better. I know I'm uncommon. Now, how can you say that? How can you say I'm exceptional and still be humble? That is the enigma, the mystery that we have to solve. Because they've all said for all, uh, uh, for all time that if you want to be holy, you got to be broke. If you have money. I remember uh, 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 a grand grandmother that uh, we had that, she, went to, she got filled with the Holy Ghost out on her ranch by herself, just was worshiping God and got, came under the power of God and just plopped right there in the living room by herself. And uh, her husband came in and he just about lost his mind, uh, you know, because she was just there and he, he thought she was dead or fixing to be. Well, so she, she was fine and she got filled with God and she went to a, her, her Baptist church and went in there and uh, or went to a Pentecostal church to have a meeting and she had on red lipstick and she had on red fingernails. Wow, those holiness people, they about lost their minds. <laughs> and they said, she's real nice for a hussy. She's, she's a real nice woman to be a, a uh, uh, Jezebel. Because that's what it was. If you had red... If, you are a Jezebel. There's no doubt about it. You are, on the, you are on the look for something more than... So the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, are exceptional and are uncommon, 
but are humble in it. So you can have someone that's exceptional in the sense of their charisma, their gifts, their oratory skills, their education, and they could say, I know I'm great, but that wouldn't make you great. That wouldn't make you exceptional even though you had some qualities that might make it. You've got to be humble in it. In James chapter 4, I'm going somewhere with this, did y'all know? Hallelujah. James chapter 4, we know this verse very well. Verse 6, the word says in verse 6, but he giveth more grace, excuse me, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Well, you know, right there, you can get promoted and saying, I want God's grace. How do you get God's grace? Just be a good boy? No, you got to humble yourself. Well, I need to know how that works. Should I be a, a red worm, a brown worm, a crawly worm? or a, What kind of worm does God want me to be to be humbled so he can give me more grace? Well, it's no worm. It's no doormat. It's no lesser thing. It's no false humility, which is rampant everywhere. Well... Uh, so in verse 6, he, he says uh, in the good news, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. That's in the good news. The Amplified says God sets himself against the proud and haughty. Uh, that's a bad place to be. I don't know what y'all are thinking, but uh, if God's against you, you had not got much going. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lonely place out there. The, the ESV, English Standard Version, maybe. God opposes the proud but favors the humble, so humble yourselves before God. Okay, yay. The message says God goes against the willful proud. The willful proud. We, we would call them haughty or uh, what's that word? Uh, snarky. Where they use... <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite word. God gives grace to the willing humble. And then it says in the message, so let God work his will in you. Uh, powerful. So look in 1 Peter chapter, you're right there. Slip over to chapter 5. We're talking about humility. We're talking about God, Jesus saying, you'll humble yourself. God will raise you up. Well, I, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm for the Lord raising me up. That self-promotion business is highly overrated. Do you all know those people? Can you look back in your past and say, I was so, I was so defensive and I was so weak and so, so self-centered that I was always having to promote myself because nobody was paying me any attention. Well, I know those people. They're just full of themselves. And they may not have anything. They may not have a pot to cook in, but they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're always making it about them. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look in verse 6. It says, humble. There's that word again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, let, let's look at that. The Amplified. Now, I, I, you can't, the Greek is the Bible. Translations are men, and they get it close, and they do real good, and sometimes even better. But just because it says it in the translation does not mean that's what God said. The Amplified says, humble yourselves, and then it's got a bracket. Demote, 
lower yourselves in your own estimation. Now, that's a suspicious translation to me. It says, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. That's wrong. That's not right. Let me read it again to you. Demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation. Well, those people are everywhere. And God's not exalting them. God's not raising them up because they go, I'm a worm. I'm a dirty worm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deep dwelling worm. I'm a... No, I'm not going to ever say it. I'm not going there that I'm lowering myself in my own estimation. And the truth is, verse 7 tells you how to humble yourselves. It's not to lower yourself. Verse 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's how you humble yourself. It's very humbling to say, I'm taking no anxious thought about myself, saying, it's very humbling to say, I am not picking the care of this up. I am casting my care upon him. He, I trust him. He careth for me. Everything is turning out amazing. That's humbling. I'm not, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. There's, it's not within my realm to do it, but he will do it. Now, that's humility. That's not the amplified version that says demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation. So what, what the, the Bible's saying is, Casting all your care of promoting yourself on him. Aren't you glad you don't have to promote yourself? Look at me and listen to me and pay attention to me. And, and I've, I've done this and I'm going to do that. I, well, yeah, have a plan in God, but keep it to yourself. If, if you cast your care of promoting yourself on him. That's, that's the Michael Billings version right there, the translation. You don't have to. And I say this all the time, and y'all may get tired of it, but rich people don't have to tell you they're rich. If anyone ever tells you, I got stuff, you just need to know right there. You need to click over and finish the equation, which means he ain't got nothing. Because rich people, their money, their stuff speaks for itself, and you know when there's rich people around. They don't say a word. They're just regular folks, but they're... They got it. Is that right? So the same thing with humility. If you got stuff, if God's exalted you, you don't have to tell anybody. We like to be around spiritual men. We like to be around humble women. We like that, and we revere or honor or lift them up. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. Well, I didn't. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, let me just ask you, how are you going to say that? How are you going to tell somebody? I just want you to know that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me, that I, that I might be changed, transformed, elevated into the very righteousness of God himself in Christ Jesus. How are you going to say that and be humble? Because you are humble. You're not saying, I'm self-righteous. I, I, look at me, I, stuff I've done, things I've done, uh, God. No. He who knew no sin became for me so that I might become as he was. That's humility. But there's a lot of people don't want to say it. Oh, we're not going to say we're the righteousness of God. That's false humility. Listen to me. 
You can't be, you're not uncommon if you won't say what Jesus has done for you. People don't like that scripture we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Uh, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was poor, yet for your sakes he became, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. People don't like that. Uh, I don't want to tell anybody I'm rich. Well, that's what the word says. So it's a false humility for you to say, I wouldn't want to tell anybody I'm rich. But when you're humble, casting your care upon him for he careth for you, bless God, I'm rich. In him I am. So poor mouthing is not humility. It's false humility. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So I'm pleasing God. How about you? Come on now, let's get right here. I'm pleasing the Lord. He said, I've made you rich, Michael Ray. I've made you rich. Are you going to accept it and declare it and align with it and identify with it? Or are you going to say, well, now what the Lord did is, uh, I can't say what the Lord did. Well, then you won't have it. You won't have what you won't confess or identify with. So I have to say, there's plenty more where that came from. Well, who do you think you are? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He always causes me to triumph in him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. As he is, so am I in this world. That's very humble. Because I'm not taking any of it for me. Because of what I did, I'm great. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. This is real good. Faith rests. Faith rests. Faith takes its hands off of life's steering wheel and puts his hands on God's steering wheel and says, wherever he takes me, I'm already happy. Wherever the, whatever he wants me to be, I don't have to be a rock star. I don't have to be wealthy in the way of the world. I don't have, I don't, I'm taking my hands off of steering and I'm going to let what God's already laid out in his blueprint be my life. Now that is humbling. Jesus is the ultimate promoter. And I want his promotion. Because I... I, I, I <laughs> um, faith says I, I care about what God thinks of me. So it really doesn't matter what you think of me. And you've got to go there. There's two or three things we all have to do. One, you have to, you have to take away the fear of dying. You cannot be afraid of death. Because if you do, the door is wide open to death. The thing that you fear most will come upon you. So you got to get like, I don't care. I'm living. I declare it. But if, it, if I mess up and I leave before my time, we don't care. I'm not afraid to die. Are you afraid to die? Don't be afraid of anything, even dying. Are you here? Because if you're, if you're ever not afraid of dying, you will live. But if you're afraid of dying, you cannot live. And so uh, we care about what God thinks about us. 
our ways please the Lord. I want to please Him. So sometimes you can't please Him and everybody else. Did you all notice that? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you have to go, you have to rub the cat the wrong way, so to speak, until you can get the cat turned around. So what, when I want to please the Lord, then cares are the distraction that keep me from pleasing the Lord. Because if I'm always careful about it, how many of y'all know it'll stack up around you? There'll be more cares than you can care for. And, you, and God will be squeezed out. But if I, if I want to please the Lord, what, what am I doing all day? I'm casting my care. <laughs> I'm not taking that care about that bill or that diagnosis or my children are doing this. or I'm not taking my car broke down. I'm not taking that care. I am not taking that care. Because I care about pleasing the Lord. And if I take that care, <clears throat> I didn't humble myself. Humbling yourself, casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. You go, this is too hard. No, it's the easiest thing you ever did. It's just you make a decision. I make a decision. I make a decision so that I always say, there's plenty more where that came from. You, now, you've got to believe that. You've got to go, well, it, that's not me. That's God. Well, that's okay. I agree with heaven. There's plenty more. If he's counted the hair on our head, bless the Lord, then there's plenty more of that. He cares about how many hairs you have. He cares about you being in trouble, you having a, a, the devil after you. you. He cares. I cast all my care upon him. Don't say, be careful. Don't tell people, be careful. Be carefree. Cast your care upon him. So, humility, humility speaks the truth. Now, come on, we're going to go there. Humility speaks the truth, speaks the truth about God. We can't say God's mean. Sometimes God's in a killing mood. We can't say that. We can't say you never know what God's going to do. We can't say that because it's not the truth. Your experience not, may not line up with that yet, but you're wrong. I'm wrong. When my experience doesn't line up with the word, I'm wrong. But humility speaks the truth. The humility says, he made me rich, even though I hadn't got a dime in my account, and I owe everybody. I still speak the truth. He made me rich. He supplies all of my need. He's, he's never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. That's the truth. So when we tell the truth about ourselves, I am the righteousness of God. I am pleasing to God. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness, and sin does not have dominion over me. Now, that's the truth about me. You go, well, you, you dirty dog, how can you say that? It's not about me. Sin has been taken out of the way. Jesus has solved the sin problem. So I have to tell the truth. Humility tells the truth about ourselves, and truth tells us the truth about others. Sometimes you you got to stand for the truth, even though it's your baby or your your little one or your brother or your children or what or your friends or whatever, whatever. I don't I'm going to get in trouble here if I steer the wrong way. But I'm just saying sometimes you got to speak the truth in love. You got to provoke one another to love and good works, even when they shut the door behind you and say, I'm never coming back. Has that ever happened to anybody? But you got to speak the truth, because if you don't tell the truth, where will the truth come from? 
And we care. We humble ourselves and say, this isn't about my relationship with you. This is about your relationship with God. This is about you avoiding death in your life of some kind. So I got I to tell you the truth. Right. I got to tell you the truth. Because you're in danger. This is not going good. This is not, this is not right. But humility will do that. So, uh, so you just got to say about yourself the truth. I'm prosperous. You have never seen such a prosperous preacher, a pastor, as I am. Well, where is it? It's all around me. The wealth of the sinner has been stored up for me. And daily, I am plundering the Egyptians. I'm the richest one you've ever seen. I'm the richest one you'll ever hear of. I'm, I'm talking about the honest ones. I'm not saying some people hadn't got it, got it somewhere else. I'm righteous. I'm healed. I'm healed. That's the truth. I'm healed. Well, what did the doctors say? It does not matter. The truth is this. So it's, and let me just tell you, it's very humbling for any of us to side up to agree with the truth. Because the truth is very, very good to us. We would rather kind of like people that come in and say, oh, that's, that, that dress you've got is beautiful. All this old thing I got in the garage sale. Or have a beautiful picture on the wall and they'll say, that is amazing. I got that thing down at wherever, the consignment store. Instead of saying, I'm blessed. Sometimes it's hard. It's anti Truth to, it's, it is truth, but to not be false humble. To just say, well, we don't make nothing. We don't do very good. We're just, you know, we're just walking through this dry and dusty land until we get into our little cabin over there. Uh, to, to identify with the truth of the new con- creation is very provoking to people. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stand up on a box and tell them how blessed you are. But if it comes down to who you are to them, you should never lie and tell them, I'm just an old worm saved by grace. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Now, see, that is not humble. That's false humility to say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That is a lie against heaven. It is agreeing with the devil. It is disparaging the blood of Jesus. It is contrary to the word of God, and it is not the truth about you. But people are like, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, you know, we just hope we'll get there. If people said about you what you say about you, you'd be at war. So we don't like that. So humility, now I'm going to tell you what humility is not. Humility is not refusing to be proud of who you are. That's, that's a little complicated to say that. Humility is not when you say, oh, I, I'm not proud of who I am. I am proud of being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all that gets me going every day. Because I miss the mark regular. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Just like in thought life or in action or in motive, we could all be strung up for what, we've, what we do and don't do. But the truth is, I'm the righteousness of God in Him. He likes me. 
He likes me a lot. As a matter of fact, I think he says, I think he's telling me I'm his favorite, but I can't let that out. Because <laughs> he may have told you that too, but you know, you tell all your children you're my favorite, but not together. <laughs> so here's a false humility. I, I, I've been wanting to preach this for a long time and just didn't have a place, but I found it today. Is false humility is when people, when they talk about grace, and they say, they say, well, grace is just giving you what you don't deserve. Now, just think about that. Grace is giving you and me what we don't deserve. So God's pouring out on what? A sinner? A reprobate or unregenerated? No, I, I'm a child of God. So no longer is it undeserved favor. That's what they say. It's undeserved favor. I'm the righteousness of God. It is very deserved. I, it's not based on my righteousness, but on his righteousness. And now there is no grace being undeserved favor. Grace is just the portal of his favor. I've been wanting to preach that for months and months. Quit saying grace is undeserved favor. What do you always say, Deborah? Crickets? <laughs> whatever that means, whatever that means. So we deserve everything that Jesus purchased for us. It's our right. It's our inheritance. It is who we are. It's what we have, and it's what we do. And to disparage that in any way by false humility, saying, well, I just don't deserve it, or I'm doing better than I deserve, it's just a lie, and it's not humble, and you are not uncommon. You are not exceptional. You are common, and you are conventional. Because that's how every Christian, carnal Christian and sinner thinks. But the uncommon man, he doesn't think that way. Bless God, I'm going somewhere with the Lord, and it's going to be awesome. It is great, and it will be great. He's saying, that's boasting. That's not humility. In the Lord it is. Amen. Amen. Now, we do have to say this about humility, is that God does not humble anybody. Y'all say amen when you get it. God does not humble us. And this has gone around for years that God will smack you to humble you. Wow, those, those people were proud. So God just came in and took their baby or lost their job or their tornado got them. That'll humble them. Now that doctrine is everywhere all over. And it's just not the truth. God does not humble anybody. If we went back into these scriptures, look back in Luke 14, it says everyone who makes himself great will, will be humbled. It's self. It's what you do. It's what I do. Um, James 4, 7, the, the message said, God gives grace to the willing humble. He's not smacking anybody. He's not withholding anything. When you've been on your worst day, when I've been on my very worst, it is the goodness of God that's being poured out to change me. He is not humbling. Besides that, have you ever seen any humble people that got smacked? Did you think they turned humble? This is what came up to God. I will never serve you. I will, you, you allowed this, and I am madder than thunder. That's what happens. It's not, that's not what humbles people. The goodness of God humbles. 
Amen. So I like this about humility. When we're humble, when I'm humble, when you're humble, when we rightly attribute who we are, what we can do, and what we can have, then we allow, I allow God to direct the traffic in my life. If I have said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be that, and I'm going to have this, I'm directing traffic. But I, when I humble myself and say, he became poor, that through his poverty I might be made rich, then I'm allowing him to direct traffic. You, you want me to be a glory distributor? You want me to be a kingdom administrator? I'm in. You want me to go to Africa and work with the indigents or, or, or the European, whoever, whoever? You want me to do that? I'm in. When I'm humble, I allow God to direct traffic, and I don't resist him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. The way you do that is you agree with heaven. So we've got to get some things out of our system that are self-exalting. Well, why do you want to get married? Why do you want to have a business? Why do you want to have a million dollars? Why, 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 why? Well, if we examine our motives, sometimes it's because, because I want to. And that's very boastful, that's very prideful, that we would do anything apart from his direction and his guidance and his empowering. The Old Testament, I forget where it is, but it's in there. I looked it up. It says the way of the transgressor is hard. So these people that I'm talking about that are boastful and prideful, they have a hard life. Pursuing something without the strength to catch it is very, very challenging. Listen to me. Pursuing anything without the strength, without the grace to, to catch it is always just out of reach. And you, one day you wake up and you're 65 years old and you go, I'm no closer now than when I was 25. And you go, I, I just had one life and I just wasted it, not letting God have his way and lead me to something that was exceeding abundantly above what I would have ever even asked, thought, or decided for myself. I would have chosen it this way and God says, you're going you're gonna to settle for that little thing? You're going to settle for a life like that when I would give you way more and do way better? I was a farmer, and all my family were millionaires. All of them. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I walked away from it. And I, was, I loved farming. It wasn't like, well, you didn't like it. I loved farming, and I loved West Texas. For me to be in Alabama preaching and pastoring is so contrary to everything that was in me and that I had of my own personal desires. I was highly motivated and highly involved in agriculture. And I knew what I was going to do. But one day, he said, take up your cross and follow me. And I left all that. And all my kinfolks are still very well to do. I wouldn't trade anything for all of it. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I made that decision. And it is paid in spades for me. And it will for you. And anything that you have in your life that's good, it's because you humbled yourself and said, I'm going to pass on what's obvious and uh, clear out there. I'm going to pass on it and go the Lord's way. And he always does better. 
So uh, I'm almost through, but I, I always talk about competition and comparison. Competition, what is competition for? It's because it proves you're better. In any area of competition, the winner has proven or qualified to be the better. I'm the fastest runner, I'm the smartest in this test, I'm the better singer. A competition only is to determine by some standard who is the best. And when you do that in the kingdom, you miss the best. We have no room for competition or comparison. Right now our nation is being ripped in half because of this competition and comparison. And it's just, it's just crazy, and it's not the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, we quoted in prayer this morning, Psalm 89, in verse 19. Do you have that, Barry? It says, the Lord says about King David, he said, and, and it is specific, it's to one man, but it's to all of us. He said, I have laid help on one that is mighty. And verse 21 says, I have exalted one chosen out of the people, with whom my hand shall be established, mine arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And, and look at this. You talk about God getting in. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. Now this is Old Testament. And the way that that translates now into the New Testament is we have the name of Jesus. Back then, God was the big caretaker. You know, they didn't have any authority. And so... They just submit themselves to God and say, I'm going I'm to be your people. He said, well, I'm going to beat down your foes before you. But now, but now, authority's been given back to us, and we beat down our foes before our face. But nevertheless, the, the thing is, is, is that God says, I have laid help upon one who is mighty. So, listen, this is real important. Humility allows people to help you. Nobody in here has an assignment that you can do by yourself. If you think you've got the God's assignment and that you can do it by yourself, you're wrong. You don't have God's assignment. The exceeding abundantly above is beyond you saying yes to what you know. Lord, I'm going to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. And he said, well, just wait and see what a ride you have. I'm going to fund you. I'm gonna, I've got people lined up to come at certain times of your life to drop off what you need. They're going to pick up what they need from you, and I'm going, I've got promotion incre uh, set up for you. But humil uh, pride says, I'm a self-made man. There are none. There are none. And there's no Christian self-made man or self-made woman. We all need help. And that's what makes us dependent on each other. That's what makes the marriage so special, where we come together and we get help. If, you, if you're not married, well, then you have to get your help another, from another avenue, and not all your help is going to come from your spouse, but he lays help on you. You'll go further if you're humble with God's help. Amen. I like this. It says in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Let's say it together. I have the mind of Christ. So that means the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, here it is, we think like God. I know Isaiah 55 says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What God was saying there is, narrow the gap. 
Get born again. It's coming. And think like God. Don't get it where God's ways are higher than my ways. I have the mind of Christ. If I'll get out of this, if I will get out of this and get down here in my belly, down in my innermost being, down in the spirit man, I know everything heaven knows about my life. Everything. Well, why don't we know it? Because it's got to be lifted up into our knowledge or we have to yield to the unction that comes out of us. Or we just have unction. I just had unction to buy that business. I just had unction to sell my house. Or whatever, you have unction. That's the mind of Christ. That's thinking like God. So, so instead of just running along this trail of life, it's up and down, up and down, you're like a rocket. Because that's where he sent all of us. It's a trajectory that's straight and it's up. He wants to demonstrate his covenant through us. He doesn't want us to be worms and false humility. And, and he wants the church to be, we have the money, we have the expertise, we have the favor, we have the authority. We, the wisdom of God is in the church. The word says that. And he wants the church to be a demonstration to the world that says, gosh, we got to go over there and get saved or, or they're all going to put us out of business. You go, nobody thinks like that. God does. And when you access the mind of Christ, you will. Instead of having a plain old vanilla life that's just barely above the world, you ought to put on the mind of Christ and say, I'm a demo. I'm a demo for him. I, I shed myself of my attributes, my aspirations, my, my dreams, personal dreams, and I submit myself to him. And wow, what a ride you'll have. Amen. So, Father, we thank you this morning that it's plain, it's clear, that if we humble ourselves and cast our care upon you, you will take care of us. You will exalt us. Exalt us. You, Lord, will position us in a place where men will say, wow. We give you all the glory in advance, Lord, for the change in our life we're about to make letting you surprise us with your goodness. Surprise me with your goodness, Lord. Surprise me with your goodness. I want you to always be beyond what I could ask or think, and that would be a surprise of your goodness, your faithfulness, your endurance, your long-suffering. You're paying no attention to the things we did wrong. Lord, you're paying no attention to the sin that we, we commit and mess up and repent of. None of that is a factor in who we are. The blood of Jesus being shed for me and us is all that counts. You see us through that. Therefore, we are exalted in you, in the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a great day, week, month, and whatever years are left. Lord, they'll be the best of our whole life in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's put on the uncommon man. Let's handle our money right. Let's treat our wives right, men. Let's, let's have godly dreams. Let's put sin far, far from us. Let's be uncommon. Let's be exceptional women that are not just doormats to their husbands or doormats to a, a, a stereotype or a cultural uh, uh, phenomenon. 
Let's be that virtuous woman of Proverbs 30. Amen. Amen. I challenge you to put him on. In Jesus' name. So thank you for tuning in this morning. We're so pleased that you were able to get the word of God for your life. We encourage you. We provoke you to love and good works by this word. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.